0: Um, I'm going to be reading from, uh, from Genesis 29.1 um, all the way to 30, uh, verse 24. So buckle up. A little road trip analogy. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well. And behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, my brothers, where do you come from? They said, we are from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, we know him. He said to them, is it well with them? They said, It is well, and see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still a high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered t- together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. And while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw the daughter saw Rachel the daughter of Laban his mother's brother and the sheep of Laban his mother's brother Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban his mother's brother Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son She ran and told her father As soon as Laban had heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And Jacob told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he stayed with them a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, "I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel." Laban said, "It is bitter that I give her to that I give her to you. So it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me." So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Jacob And Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. In the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the weak for the one, of this one, and I will give you the other in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years." When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. And again she conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called him Judah. Then she ceased bearing. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here's my servant Bilhah. Go into her, that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to, to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Will you also take away my son's mandrakes? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment because now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray again together. Heavenly Father, as we consider this passage of scripture before us this morning. Lord, we we see deception, we see sin, we see strife, we see animosity, we see bitterness. And Lord, we see from Jacob, who has been blessed by you, an absence of speaking of you, an absence of praising your name. Yet, Lord, we see in this passage, despite who Jacob is, despite who Laban is, despite what Laban does, Lord, we see you. Lord, I pray that as we approach this passage of Scripture that we would see you more clearly. That we would trust you more fully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we left Jacob at the end of chapter 28 after he had pretended to be his older brother Esau in order to deceive his father Isaac into giving him the covenant blessing. Jacob had fled Esau because when Esau had discovered Jacob's deception, he had made plans to murder Jacob. And so Jacob ran for his life. Then he headed outside of Canaan, outside of the promised land to Haran, seeking refuge in the home of his uncle Laban. However, refuge wasn't all that Jacob was seeking. Isaac had sent Jacob away to seek a wife. And he sent him away with a further blessing from the Lord. God Almighty bless you and make you you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham and to you and to your offspring with you so that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Remember from last week, only a few days into the journey, as night fell, Jacob put his head down on a stone to went to, and went to sleep. And in a dream, he saw a stairway with its base on the earth and the top Reaching up to heaven, and, and on this stairway, angels were ascending and descending. And at the top of the ladder, or possibly beside the ladder, stood the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Jacob, revealing himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord gave Jacob three promises. The, the same promises that he had given to his forefathers. The promise of land, the promise of offspring, and the promise of his presence. But we know that Jacob had deceived to get the blessing. Yet he had received this blessing by the Lord's unconditional grace. Jacob had acted wickedly, but the Lord was superintending the whole incident using Jacob's deception as a secondary means in order to accomplish his ends for Jacob, for the people of Israel, and for all the families of the earth, for every tribe and tongue and nation. Jacob came away changed. From that encounter, as everyone comes away changed, who has a real encounter with the living God. God changes everything. A pillow became a pillar. A humble place became the house of God. A deceiver became a worshiper. Jacob vowed that the Lord would be his God that the stone that upon which he laid his head would mark God's house, and of all that the Lord gave him, he would give a tenth. Jacob, the schemer and deceiver, had come away changed, or so it would seem. But Jacob was still fleeing the promised land for Haran, to the land of Abraham's origins, to the land of his mother's family. Now we know where he's going But let's see what happens as his journey continues. In verses 1 to 14, Jacob is received. In verses 15 to 30, Jacob is deceived. And then in verse 31 to chapter 30, 24, Jacob's wives conceive. So, first of all, in verses 1 to 14, Jacob is received. At last, after probably a month on the road, Jacob arrives at the land of the people of the east. And when he arrives there, Jacob sees a well with three flocks of sheep around it. And over the well was a a large stone to to keep wild animals and intruders from stealing water. Jacob approaches the shepherds and, and asks them kindly, My brothers, where do you come from? And they told him, We are from Haran. Jacob knows that he has arrived, and he asks them if they know Laban, son of Nahor, and they respond in in the affirmative, so he asks if it is well with him, and again they respond in the affirmative, but then something or someone enters the scene. It's Laban's daughter Rachel, a shepherdess, coming with the sheep. So Jacob urges the shepherds to get back to work to, 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 to water the sheep to, to, uh, so that he can get a, possibly so they can get a few minutes alone with Rachel. But they reply that they cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the, the heavy stone is rolled from the top of the well. It, it seems that, that the stone was too heavy even for, for these gathered shepherds to lift it that they needed more shepherds to arrive in order to lift this stone. But when Jacob sees Rachel, he rolls the stone away all by himself. This wasn't the last time that a man attempted or completed a feat of strength in order to impress a woman. But this seems to be superhuman strength. The Lord is is showing his favor on Jacob. And then Jacob now proceeds to water Rachel's flock. Does this remind you of anything? Going to Haran to seek a spouse? A meeting at the well, watering the animals? We saw a very similar situation in Genesis 24 when Abraham sent his servant to Haran to find a wife for Isaac. There are many parallels. This could even be the same well. But it's the contrasts that speak here. Isaac wasn't allowed to leave the promised land, but Jacob runs from the promised land. Rebekah watered the servants' animals, but here Jacob waters Rachel's animals. And and the contrast that that speaks loudest of all here is the fact that all through Genesis 24, the, the Abraham's servant is seen to be praying and praising the Lord for his providence. Whereas Jacob doesn't seem to do either. He doesn't even mention the Lord. By God's providence, Jacob has arrived at his destination, but he hasn't arrived spiritually yet. He, he may have come to, know, to, come to real faith, but, but change sometimes happens slowly. And so when Jacob meets Rachel, he, he boldly kisses her and weeps. And and though this kiss was was customary upon meeting a relative, perhaps this kiss meant just a little bit more. Jacob tells Rachel that he is her cousin. And like Rebekah before her, Rachel runs to tell Laban. And like that time as well, Laban runs out again to to meet Jacob as he had Abraham's servant. The, The riches that he had received in Genesis 24 are probably in the forefront of his mind, and he, he embraces Jacob. He kisses him and brings him home. It, it's a joyous meeting. I'll read that, that Jacob tells Laban all these things. Did he tell Laban that he deceived Isaac, that he was running for his life from Esau? Likely not. Laban said to Jacob, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. After a month-long journey through the wilderness, Jacob is received with open arms. The, the Lord has led Jacob to a refuge in his uncle's home, but the peace is not going to last. In, in light of coming events, Laban's kiss parallel, parallels Jacob's kiss of Isaac. Though at this stage the plot to deceive is not fully hatched, is likely not fully hatched in Laban's mind. Jacob and Esau are indeed connected, but but not just by bone and blood. They're both of similar character. They're both covetous. They're both deceivers. They each have met their match. In verses 15 to 30, Jacob is deceived. Jacob is about to reap what he's sowed. The deceiver is about to be deceived in a most shocking way. After a month, with, with Jacob obviously working hard and obviously in love with Rachel, Laban says to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? And here the tension began, begins to wind up like a spring. Moses, our our narrator, introduces a complication. Laban has not one daughter, but two. The older is Leah, the younger is Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, probably as as Wenham suggests, her eyes lacked the fire or sparkle that was much prized in the east. But, But clearly she's presented as unattractive when compared to her sister who is described as beautiful in both form and appearance. Notice the contrasts. Older, younger, unattractive, attractive, even their names. Leah means cow, and Rachel means you. E-W-E. Another contrast is Jacob's affection. He loves Rachel. At this point, Leah doesn't even get his attention, but it's going to get worse. Again, the tension mounts. Though Jacob's promised, is the promised recipient of the the covenant blessing, he is penniless. He's left left his home with with nothing. He has no money to pay any bride price. And so Jacob says to Laban, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Again, the tension mounts. Laban replies, it's better that I, I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. Laban readily agrees. This is a generous offer. Men, how long would you have worked to to earn the hand of your bride? Jacob serves seven years, and they they seem to him like only a few days because of his love for Rachel. This description is meant to to elicit um, compassion in us for Jacob. At the end of his seven years, Jacob goes to Laban to get his wife, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. Finally, it's the wedding night. Laban throws a big feast. The food and the wine flow. And again, Moses interjects to give us the shocking development. In the evening, when it was time for Jacob and Rachel to come together, Laban brought Leah instead. In the dark and and likely feeling the the effects of the feast, Jacob is oblivious to the switch and has relations with Leah. He is now duty-bound to fulfill his responsibility to her as husband. We're also told that Zilpah is given to Leah as her servant. This, This seemingly irrelevant piece of information is going to be important later on. In the morning, the sun rises on Laban's scheme, Jacob realizes that he's been deceived when the light comes up and he sees that it is Leah, not his beloved Rachel. I cannot even imagine that moment. The the, the tightly wound spring explodes, creating shockwaves that are going to to continue for the next several chapters. You wonder what Jacob is going to do to Laban. It's a good thing that Jacob doesn't have the same murderous heart as Esau. Jacob goes to him and demands, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Think about those words. Why then have you deceived me? Similar words were spoken against Jacob by Esau after Jacob's deception. Consider the the bitter irony. Jacob had switched a, a younger son for an older. Laban had switched an older daughter for a younger. Now Jacob is going to have his retribution. Laban himself will will speak similar words to Jacob during another altercation in Genesis 31, 26. What is this you have done that you have tricked me? Jacob is getting a taste of his own medicine and it is a bitter pill to swallow. He's experiencing the consequences, the discipline of the Lord for his own deceitfulness. But Laban simply responds to Jacob's demand by by appealing to a cultural tradition, to a custom. He said, it's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Now, while this might have been true, this would have been a helpful piece of information for Jacob to have had before his wedding night. This reference to the firstborn is also ironic, given Jacob's impersonation of his older brother. Laban continues, complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Fulfill your marital responsibilities towards Leah in the wedding week, and then I will give you Rachel if you agree to serve me for another seven years. Laban's deceitful scheme has worked. He's married off both daughters, and he gets another seven years of service from his nephew. Jacob agrees, and at the end of the week, Laban gives him Rachel. And in another side comment that's going to be important later on, we're, we're told that, that Laban gave his servant Bilhah to Rachel. So, verse 30, Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. Jacob loves Rachel but but this supposed few days that that Rebekah had told him about to go to my his her brother Haran for a few days this is t- turning out to be a very long time Jacob's preference for Rachel is understandable regardless of her appearance especially through the fact that that Leah was complicit in Laban's scheme it doesn't make for a very good foundation for a marriage This is going to be the seedbed of a bitter rivalry. Now with the remainder of the text that we're covering in verses verses, uh, 31 to to chapter 30, verse 24, Jacob's wives conceive. Verse 31, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Even though the characters most notably Jacob, are not acknowledging the Lord's hand, he is at work even in Jacob's seven years of of hard labor. And even in the next seven years and beyond that of Jacob's hard labor. Over the next 29 verses, Jacob's already large family is going to grow considerably. We're going to see the birth of, of 12 children, 11 boys and one girl what we're about to, to witness is the beginning of the nation of Israel. 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel are presented here. Kenneth Matthews explains that By this series of 12 birth announcements, the author indicates that the fathers of Israel were born outside the land, as was their ancestor Abraham, and that the land awaited them to inhabit. He says, this message resonates with the wilderness generation whom Moses had brought to the edge of Canaan. In chapter 49, we'll see that the the names of these boys and the details of their lives will lead to prophetic oracles uh, for the 12 tribes of Israel. So first of all, in in verses uh, 31 to 35, Leah conceives. The Lord saw that Leah was hated. The, The Lord sees everything but when it says here the Lord sees, this points to, to his impending intervention. Jacob loved Rachel, but hated Leah. Now this word that, that's translated here, "hated," can, can, can be used to describe a, a range of emotions, from aversion to animosity. And probably it's best to understand here that, that, that Rachel or that Leah, rather, was, was unloved, or that she was rejected by Jacob. Jacob might have chosen Rachel, but the Lord has chosen Leah for a very special purpose. She bore a son and named him Reuben, which means see a son. Now she understands correctly that this is the Lord's doing, that he has has looked upon her affliction and has given her this child, but she wrongly concludes that Jacob will now love her. Nothing changes here. Jacob's attitude towards Leah. Then Leah conceived again and, and bore another son. She named him Simeon, which sounds like the Hebrew for heard. The Lord has seen that she is hated. The Lord has heard that she is hated. So she thinks maybe a second son will earn her husband's love. Wrong again. And she's, she conceived again. For a man who hated his wife, Jacob is spending a lot of time with Leah. She said in verse 34, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And so she named him Levi, which means attached. She she thinks three sons must be be such a great blessing to Jacob that that he, he will not be able to deny her. But there is still no change. It's heartbreaking. And then she conceived a fourth child and said, this time I will praise the Lord. This is the, the first time that the Lord is praised by the characters in this sad story. Leah names the boy Judah, which sounds like the Hebrew word for praise. Now, Judah deserves special comment here in the prophetic oracles of Chapter 49, Judah is described as a king ruling over his brothers. This hints at a, at, a, a, as a, at a special role that he will have as the forefather of a future king. So we've, we've seen how, how Leah has conceived. And, and now in chapter 30, verses 1 to 8, Bilhah now conceives for Rachel. The Lord heard. The Lord saw. Now Rachel saw. She, she saw that, that she was barren, but that Leah had had children. So, so this also evokes a response from her. But, but it's, it's envy, it's bitterness. She envied Leah and she commanded her husband, Give me children or I shall die. And we talked extensively about what it meant in that culture to have children. And, and it just as, as hard as it, as it is for, for parents, I can't even imagine how hard it would be for, for parents or for, for a couple not to be able to have children. But but in that culture, because of the the social stigma that is attached to it, the, the weight and the burden was even greater. So she says, give me children or I shall die. Jacob replied to her sharply, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Now, while his response may have been theologically accurate, It lacked compassion. While he was right that that God provides children, husbands, listen carefully. This is not the way to shepherd your wife. There is a time for theological discourse. But most often, it's best to simply lovingly listen. And only once you've listened well and waited for the right opportunity to offer a word that is both theologically accurate and encouraging And one of these days, I'll figure this out. But now we see the significance of Bilhah being given to Leah, or to to Rachel, rather. Rachel gives her to Jacob as a wife to be a surrogate mother to bear children for her. We've been down this road before. We we saw this practice in Genesis 16, where the barren Sarai gave Hagar to Abram. As we discussed then, in that culture, it was considered acceptable, an acceptable practice for for a servant to be given to a husband to bear children for an infertile wife. And the children would be considered hers, children of the barren mother. But despite the fact that this was acceptable according to the custom of the time and is described as taking place in the Bible, there's no sense that this practice is acceptable to the Lord whose plan for marriage is the union of one man and one woman. It is no more acceptable to, to do this than it was for Jacob to deceive his father Isaac. Nonetheless, like he did with uh, Jacob's deception of Isaac, the Lord uses this practice here to achieve his ends. Bilhah conceived and bore a son to Jacob for Rachel. Rachel says, God has judged me, has heard my voice and given me a son. She named him Dan, which sounds like the Hebrew for judged. Then Bila conceived a a second son for Rachel. And Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have prevailed, I wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. She called him Naphtali, which sounds like Hebrew, the Hebrew for wrestling. Jacob had wrestled mightily with his brother Esau and had prevailed. And now Rachel is wrestling mighty with her sister Leah and has prevailed. Verses 9 to 13. Zilpah. Conceives for Leah. Now Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children. Now she acted. And so here we see the significance of Zilpah. She had followed Rachel's example and, or uh, Leah followed Rachel's example and gave Zilpah to Jacob as a wife. So far, Jacob has four wives and six sons. We're only halfway through the chapter, halfway through the children that, that are born to Jacob here in this chapter. Zilpah bore to Jacob a son named Gad she named him Gad which which sounds like the Hebrew for good fortune because she says good fortune has come and and interestingly that that um, fortune became a, a or it was a pagan god uh, amongst the Canaanite in the Canaanite religion not sure if this is if this is connected or not but but good fortune she says has come then Zilpah bore Jacob another son and she says happy am I for women have called me happy Now, she may have resigned herself to to being unloved by Jacob, but but these children are making her happy. She named him Asher, which sounds like the Hebrew for happy. Chapter uh, 46, 18 tells us that that Zilpah would actually have, have 16 boys, including grandchildren. 16, all born through Zilpah. And in verses 14 to 21, Leah conceives again. Her son Reuben is in the field during the harvest and discovered mandrakes. Now, mandrakes are are part of the nightshade family and were considered to be an aphrodisiac and were also believed to enhance a woman's fertility. The Greeks called the mandrake the love apple. The only other place in the Bible that the mandrakes are mentioned is in an intimate encounter in the Song of Solomon 7 verses 13 to 14. So they're they're considered to be an aphrodisiac and to to help with fertility. And so Rachel asks Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. Leah snaps back. Is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And now the story is becoming even more sordid as we see the sisters bartering for night with Jacob. Rachel says that he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field, Leah went to him and demanded you must come into me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. This is another parallel to an incident in Jacob's life. His brother Esau had come in from the field and Jacob purchased his birthright for a bowl of red stew. Now Jacob comes in from the field and Leah purchases Purchases intimacy with him for mandrakes. Leah conceives and bears another son and says, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. She calls him Issachar, which sounds like the, wa- like the word for wages or hire, again, alluding to the mandrakes. Yet it is the blessing of the Lord who has listened to her. Clearly, she has been praying. Then she conceived again. Thinking now that Jacob would finally honor her, she called him Zebulun, which sounds like honor. Then she conceives one more time and bears a daughter, Dinah. Dinah is the only daughter who is named here. Genesis 46, 15 tells us that there are other daughters and sons who are not named. But when Dinah is assaulted in chapter 34, her brother's reaction leads to Jacob's disapproval of them. And finally, in verses 22 to 24, Rachel conceives. Verse 22, God remembered Rachel and listened to her and opened her womb. It had nothing to do with the mandrakes. It was the hand of God. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She prayed, may the Lord add to me another son. She calls him Joseph, which, which has a double significance. It, the, the name Joseph sounds similar to the words taken away, but it means may he add. Joseph is the the 12th born child to Jacob in this story, but he's not the last born son, last born to Jacob. The Lord is going to answer Rachel's prayer and give her another son, Benjamin, who will be the father of the 12th tribe of Israel. Think back again to Genesis 28.3 as we we think about all these children, as we think about the the horrific way in, in which in which they were brought into the world. Remember Isaac's blessing of Jacob, the covenant blessing. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. And then remember that the Lord had spoken directly to Jacob in chapter 28, 14, saying, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread... Abroad to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now Jacob's been through a lot so far here on this journey. Deception. Fourteen years of hard labor. Infertility. Warring wives. Now the Lord probably seemed to Jacob to be absent when Laban deceived him on his wedding night. The Lord probably seemed to Jacob to be absent when his beloved Rachel couldn't conceive. The Lord probably seemed to Jacob to be absent in the conflict in his home, but the Lord saw, the Lord heard, the Lord answered. The Lord has been with Jacob all along, just as he had promised in Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Through all of this, the Lord has been fulfilling his promises to Jacob. Even though Jacob didn't seem to acknowledge it, The Lord has been with Jacob. He guided Jacob to Rachel, just as he guided Abraham's servant to Rebekah for Isaac. And even more importantly for redemption history, the Lord has guided Jacob to Leah. Because without Leah, Reuben, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun would not have been born. Six of the tribes, six of the twelve tribes of Israel Moses wouldn't have been born through Levi. David wouldn't have been born through Judah. But infinitely more important, Jesus Christ, descended from David through his mother Mary, the lion of the tribe of Judah, would not have been born. The Lord had promised that Jacob's descendants would be like the dust of the earth. But this doesn't merely refer to to the nation of Israel, but to all the families of the earth, people from every tribe and tongue and nation to the redeemed of the Lord, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Clothed with white robes, with, a, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to a God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Through this deception that, 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 Joseph, or that Jacob rather has experienced, in one sense it's, it's a, a fitting consequence, a, a discipline from the Lord for, for his deception of his father. But far more than that, this is the Lord intervening to achieve his purposes for Jacob, even though they had been achieved through sinful means. The Lord is blessing Jacob. The Lord is blessing Jacob. The the children of Jacob are the continued fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, the the, the seed of the woman who will make war with the seed of the serpent and the seed of the, the woman who will crush the serpent's head even though the seed of the woman will himself have his heel bruised. That through this line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah will come Jesus Christ according to the flesh. The Lord has fulfilled his promise to Jacob through Laban's deception. This was a comfort to Israel. As Laban, the ancestor of of the enemies of Israel, the Syrians, had dealt deceptively with Jacob, their ancestor. But as we see already, we're seeing that, that, that in reality, Jacob is really coming out on top of this arrangement. We'll see that even more next week, Lord willing. Jacob's going to come on out on top and it gives hope to Israel that they will come out on top against their enemies as well. Israel would be encouraged that their God is sovereign and that he will fulfill his promises even through the deceitfulness of men. You think about any other time in scripture when the Lord achieves his fulfills his promises and his purposes even through the deceitfulness of men? Think of the false witnesses that came against our Lord and were, were used in His trial that led to His crucifixion. Through the deceitfulness of men, it led to the, the death of our Savior. And through the death of our Savior comes our salvation and comes His resurrection from the dead because the Lord will always fulfill His promises. Do not judge the story by the middle. Do not judge this story by the middle. The Lord promises to be with his people. Brothers and sisters, the Lord promises to be with you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Think about about some of the things that that trouble you in the world around you, in your life. False teachers that spring up and and defame the name of Christianity. Think about our brothers and sisters that we pray for on a regular basis. Being treated shamefully because of the gospel. Maybe some of you are being treated shamefully for your faith. Maybe some here in this church will even face severe persecution for their faith. Is God absent in these things? no god is sovereign god is superintending everything nothing can happen to you apart from god's sovereign will and god has promised that everything will work out for good for the, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose do you love god then everything that happens in your life, even the horrific things that happen to you in your life will be worked out by your sovereign God for your good. Keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on what he suffered for you. And when you face those trials, when you face that ill treatment, and you will, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the God who will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this example we see of your faithfulness in the life of Jacob. We praise you for your unmerited blessing in his life. He deserved your wrath, yet you made him the recipient of your grace the recipient of your blessings. And even as he experienced temporal consequences for his sinful behavior, Lord, we see that through these things you are superintending and that you're using even the, this, this horrible ill treatment. You're using this in order to bless him, to ful- fulfill your promises to him. May you help us as your people who have been called by your name. Help us, Lord, to see what you are doing to keep our eyes on you and your nature, your character in the midst of, of whatever circumstances of life we face. Whether it's blessing or, or ill treatment that we, see, we receive from the hands of others, may we look and see that it's always you ultimately who are behind it. And Lord, you are, even though you're not the author of sin, Lord, you're using all things for our good and your glory. For we pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.